Uh, I just had something on my heart uh, for with us about to go to camp, and I uh, just wanted to share it. It's, it's been on my heart for quite some time, and so hopefully I can communicate that clearly to you. My mind's 100 miles an hour right now, but uh, let's pray. Normally, we'd read our scriptures and pray, but I want to pray before we get started. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this opportunity, and and uh, Lord, I, I don't take it lightly, and Lord, it's a great responsibility to preach your word, and uh, Lord, I pray that the message is clear this evening, and I pray that you would help me with my thoughts, help me to remember those things that you want me to, Lord, that you would silence those things that need not be said, and Lord, that everything would come straight from the throne of grace this evening. Lord, uh, thank you so much for our church, and thank you for our country. And thank you for the great privilege that we have this evening and the freedom to assemble together uh, without fear of anything. Lord, I I know we have things that happen, but Lord, for the most part, we can meet here and not have to worry about it. And so I thank you for that. Speak to hearts this evening, and Lord, may we understand uh, what our youth is and what our youth can be. And we'll thank you for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy. This is kind of kind of a theme verse for our youth group, although we don't preach on it, mention it, quote it all that time. But, but this is uh, sort of our theme verse for our youth group, and it is 1 Timothy 4, 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And we'll, we'll get to explaining that a little more later on, but uh, I just wanted to set that. that that's kind of what we're going to be talking about this evening. But first of all, there's a, there's a lot of people here, and I'm glad I had them bring this water. I hardly ever... I always forget it's here, but my voice is... Uh, I want to share a little bit about me and my wife before I get too far in, and I don't want to get caught up in all the details, but uh, there's a lot of new people here since we've come back, and, uh, and I, I want you to know, not, not that I'm anything you need to know, I just want you to know who we are and, and what we're doing and, and why we're doing what we're doing. And we, we were here in this church from 2000 to 2006, God saw fit to move us to Montana, and we went kicking and screaming. And uh, I was active duty Air Force at the time, decided to get out after two, at 2009 after being in for just over, well, almost 12 years. And uh, many people said I was crazy. Well, maybe so, but I still got out of the Air Force. And uh, I just knew that was God's calling at that time. And, and it didn't make logical sense because I was over the hump, as they say, to retirement. and could have been retired already. But that's not what God had in mind. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, I did listen to what he had to say. And so I got out of the Air Force 2009 in a whirlwind. We moved to Colorado Springs and so much happened there that we'd be here till midnight telling you all the goodness of God through all that. And, uh, but he took us to Colorado Springs for six years not knowing. Aren't you glad God always knows what's down the road? Uh, I knew that Colorado Springs wouldn't be our home forever, but I knew that's where he wanted us at the time. And everything, I mean, everything just pointed to it. And I, and I ask in the same way what God would have us do, the same way that Pastor Williams asked what God would have him do. And he did it exactly the same. 
But I was in the desert of Afghanistan when I got my answer in the mail that I prayed for, for what I needed to do. And there's all sorts of details that I'm leaving out. But we were down there for six years from 2009 to 2016. And uh, always wanted to be back here at Liberty. And, but it just never seemed like it was going to happen. So we served in the church down there. We served uh, working with the four and five-year-olds Sunday school. We helped out with the youth group. And, uh, and what else did we do down there? We, oh, P, yeah, patch program, that is a lot of fun. So we were serving down there, happy down there, and then, and then God just made me discontent. And that's how God moves in my life uh, when it's time to move. I get very discontent. I start hating everything around me. Not my family, but it's just nothing. I just, I don't like work. I don't like this place. This, I, you know, and that's how God has moved in my life uh, every time it's time for us to change. Not necessarily move, but to change. And so I, I began being discontent in Colorado Springs. Didn't like the place. Just, it was just, I can't even explain it well, but that's what he did to me. And so we, we came back to family camp after 10 years of trying. We finally made it back to family camp September of 2015 just to visit. No, no intentions of looking to come back to move. That desire had really gone. And uh, it, it bothered me that that desire was gone because for so many years I wanted to be here. And then that desire was gone. But, you know, September of 2015 changed everything. And God put a burning desire in my heart to be back here again. And I'm telling you, if, if God's calling you to do something and, and you answer that call, hang on. Because I'm telling you, if you will allow God to work, it will be fast. Most times. This time it was fast. So told our pastor at Colorado, in our church in Colorado Springs, he said, well, this is what he told me. He said, well, brother, hang on, when I told him what was happening. And all these other people knew that this was happening fast except for me. <laughs> pastor Williams, I told Pastor Williams on Thanksgiving Day of 2015 that, that we'd be moving back. He, in turn, tells the church that we're coming back in the spring of 2016. I had talked to Pastor Brooks, you know, and we had the conversation. It's going to be longer than that i got to sell a house, find a house, find a job, move all this stuff. You know, you know I'm, I'm saying six months to a year. In the meantime, Pastor Williams had told the church, well, the longs are coming back, it'll be in the springtime. And I remember Pastor Brooks called me. He said, hey, did you tell Pastor Williams? I said, no, there ain't no way. It can't happen. <laughs> I said, it can't happen. We're in November of 2015. When I, when I Thanksgiving Day was when I finally had my clear answer that we were to come back here and and I have to tell you this detail is I didn't tell anybody in my family that that's what was going on I said God if you want us there you put a desire in my family's heart and one by one they each expressed interest to move and be in South Dakota and I'm like one came on the very day that I asked and that was Hudson we, we were down here at Dickie's Barbecue when it was down here, and he asked about, Dad, do only military families move? I said, no, any family can move. Why do you ask? He said, well, I'd like to live in South Dakota. Wait a minute. God, God I just asked you that this morning. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, Amen. March the 25th of 2016, what time of the year is that? Springtime. We were in a budget truck with all of our belongings in the back headed to South Dakota. Amen. Amen. Amongst all of that, 
we had a great youth group down there, and I, I was really burdened for Kaylee at the time because she was youth group age, and, and I really didn't know what was happening here, and uh, I wanted her, I hated for her to leave that youth group. I said, God, would you put somebody in place up there? You know what he says? Well, why don't you do it? No, that's not what I'm asking. See, I, I, I want you to put somebody there. Well, that's why God brought, that's, that was one of the reasons. I didn't see it at all until I began asking that. I wanted, I wanted my daughter to have, you know, a youth group uh, and, and have that fellowship like she had there. I, I know it can't be exactly the same and all that. I understand that. Well, that was two weeks prior to that. Tiffany already knew that because I mentioned to her one Sunday night after church. I said, hey, I think God's wanting us to take over the youth group. And she just starts laughing. She's like, I wondered when he was going to say something. <laughs> so anyway, that's why we're here. That's why we're with the youth group. There's so much more. There's so much more. And I love telling it. I mean, it just refreshes my spirit to tell the story. But that's why we're here. Uh, God brought us here to do that because I said, hey, why don't you put somebody in the youth group? And, uh, well, here we are now. That was 2016, so we're seven years in. And, man, I, I've enjoyed it. It's not without struggle. It's not without heartache and pain. But, man, I have sure enjoyed it. And so what I want to talk about tonight is never underestimate youth. Never underestimate youth. Uh, I, I'm grateful that, that God would use me and my wife in the way that He has. And I, I never would expect to be in any position that He's allowed us to be, to be in. But, but I'm grateful that uh, somewhere down the line he, he looked and said, I could use you there. And uh, he could do that for any of you and put you in service anywhere if you'd just be willing to. Uh, and I, I want the parents of those that are in the youth group to know that I, I love what I do. We love what we do. So don't think when your kids go with us or whether they're back there when we do Wednesday night, don't think that you've got somebody back there that's just filling a spot, just trying to fill time, just, just trying to get through another Wednesday night or just trying to get through another activity. No, I love it. So rest assured that when they are with us, they are with somebody that loves them and, and loves what they are doing. I love to teach your children the Word of God. I love the activities. I love the fundraisers and the work that we do and uh, when, we're, when we're raising money sometimes. And, and, when, and some of them kids do some crazy stuff while we're doing fundraisers, like backflips into brush piles, you know. Uh, we did a fundraiser last year cleaning up this guy's property, and he was very generous for 45 minutes worth of work. Uh, very generous. And... And some of these guys were doing backflips into this brush pile, and I'm thinking, man, what about that one stick, you know? But we have a lot of fun. Uh, but, but I want to stress to you tonight, to stress to you, uh, tonight that uh, what my wife and I do is, is only a fraction of what should be happening spiritually uh, in their lives. We, we have them for, I have the, the boys on Sunday morning for about 45 minutes, and uh, we generally get about 30 minutes of teaching in on Sunday morning because we communicate, we fellowship, I mean, and, and just, just talk. I mean, that's okay to do. And so we get about 30 minutes on Sunday morning with them in Sunday school, and then, and 
45 minutes on Wednesday night. Now you add that up for a month, that's not a whole lot of time. I'm not going to make a spiritual giant out of your child in that amount of time. I, I can't do it. They get so little from us on a weekly basis that if that's all they're dependent upon and that's all you're dependent upon, they're, they're not... I, I wouldn't put much faith in that. Trust me, I'm giving them the Word. I'm teaching the truth to them. I'm preaching the truth to them. We're praying for them. We're, we're there for them. But if that's all they get, it's not enough. And... You have the ultimate responsibility for your children, and I for mine. Uh, I, I don't want, I can't depend on somebody else to have uh, God's Word put into them that I'm responsible for. The spiritual needs that they have while they're in my home should come from me and their mom. And uh, so Ephesians 2.6 tells us to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And this is simply to educate and train them in the things of God. You don't have to have Bible college at your house. Uh, I listen, you don't have to do a three-hour devotional in the morning and a three-hour, you know what you're going to do? You're going to turn your kids off. And some of you might not like that, but I'm telling you the truth. Should you be doing those kinds of things? Yes. You have to do something in your home. You have to pray. Somehow God's got to be a focus in your home somewhere. Uh, I listened to a message from uh, Dean Herring. I don't know why his name left me. And he was talking about that very same thing. He said he was instructing this young fellow, and he was, he was pretty much having church service every night in his home, although that'd be great. His family was starting to not like it. Because they were just getting pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You have to. It's your responsibility. I have a small responsibility. Uh, and and I, I take it serious. But if it's only if from me and my wife is all that they're getting, it's not enough. So you have the ultimate responsibility. Train them. Educate them and train them in the things of God. And not only that, make them to see who God is. You see, that's what... Uh, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord is. That's training them in the things of God and making them realize who God is. Have they seen who God is in your life? Because that's how they're going to know. There, there will come a point that God has to be God in their life, but until then, they need to see God in your life. So do they. Train them, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Educate them, train them on the things of God and make them to see who God is. They should see God in our lives and then be able to use that, use what they see in us for their own lives. Buy the truth and sell it not. I love that verse. Buy the truth and sell it not. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 34. I should have cut the music short because I have a whole lot I want to say. But I'm going I'm to move just as fast as I possibly can. Second Chronicles chapter 34. And keep in mind the thought is never underestimate youth.
2 Chronicles 34, and I'll read verse 1 through 5. This always amazed me. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. Why, why do they need to see God in your life? One day they need to seek God on their own. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in the presence, Balaam in his presence, and the images that were on high above them. And he cut down and... He cut down in the groves and the carved images and the molten images. He broke in pieces and made dust of them and strode it up on the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priest upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Man, I mean, he got busy cleaning house. So at this point, if my math is right, he's 16. He's 16 years old. He began to reign when he was eight. Now... I, I would think he had some help. I would think he had some godly, he had a godly mother, but his dad not so much. And we'll look at that here in just a minute. But somewhere he saw what was right. But if you look how far back he had to look, it says he began to seek the God of his father, David. David was a long way back there. And if you look in the genealogy, uh, or, or if you look down through there, I've, I've got it here. I know I'll get to it. I always get ahead of myself, but I will get to it. But Josiah began to seek God. It says in the eighth year, he began to seek after God. 16. I, I think that's kind of typical. As a teenager, you're either going to decide, I'm going to seek God, or I'm not. Sadly, sadly, there, there are some that have been here that chose not to. And sadly, there's probably some sitting here that have chose not to. And just as soon as they can, they're going to be gone. And that, and that breaks my heart. It's sad to be, grow up in a church like this and sit here with deaf ears. And when, when you have the chance, you just jet and you forget the things of God and you don't seek the things of God. See, if it never becomes real to you, you won't. It has to become real to you. So at age 16, Josiah began to see God, and he, he began to realize and see some things around him that were wrong, and he said, this is not going to happen this way. I'm going to do some cleaning up. Now, we Baptists are good at that. We're good at having checklists. We don't do this. We don't do that. We don't do this. We don't do that. We don't do this. We don't do that. This, nope, 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 all the way down the list. We're good at it. Well, that's what Josiah did here. He said, that image is not allowed. That can't be here. That can't be here. We don't worship that. I'm cutting that down. I'm kicking that out. I'm breaking it down. Not only that, I'm going to sprinkle the, the dust on the graves of those that did it. There. That's what your God's good for, just to cover your grave with. Josiah was not going to have anything to do. But just before that, his dad, Ammon, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So... He didn't have an example from his father, but immediately when he was eight years old, it says, he did that which was right 
in the sight of the Lord. He didn't do what felt good. He didn't do, well, I think this would be better. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he began to seek the God of his father David. Uh, Go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 3. I, I won't read all of this, but if you just look there, First Chronicles chapter three, verse nine, and you and you just go all the way down to you find Josiah, fourteen names down. Now, if if we looked at that, you know, in a generational kind of way, that's a long time. That's a long time. If you said, say, seventy years, what's a generation? I don't either. Let's just say seventy years. We'll do 70 times 14. I don't know that that's how long it was. I'm just speculating here. Just having us to think. David's 14 men up here, but yet Josiah chose to seek after the God of David. Uh, If you count down, he's 14 down. Logically, that would represent a long span of time. So, So how did Josiah know about the God of his father David? Do you know who the 14th man up is on your family chain? I have no idea. When I get to my great-grandpa on my dad's side and my mom's side, that's all I know. And I wish I knew more, but that's all I know. I don't know anymore. I, yeah, I could do Ancestry.com and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know how much you can trust that. I don't know who the 14th... I'm told somewhere down the line Henry Ford is in... Uh, on my mom's side. I don't know if that's true or not. My, that was my papa's claim to fame, but anyway. Don't underestimate youth. Josiah had some determination, and it spawned from David's generation. I, I don't know how. I don't know how it happened, but somehow God did it that Josiah, some 14 men down the line, would seek after the God of David. And Josiah, and he changed some things. The place looked different after Josiah began to reign. He did that, which was right. And, and as you know, you go through Kings and Chronicles, it was up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. You had a king that was evil, a king that was good, a king. And you're just like, could you people just learn? But it's that way all through there. But don't underestimate our youth. Dad's mom, it'd be okay if we were a generation that was looked up to. Say somebody did one of these, these uh, family tree checks, and they're like, man, where, where, did, where did God ever even enter into this bloodline? Who, who was the man that started this? Because there's just a faint history of it, and I'd like to know who started that. I would hope that it would keep on going down through our line, but at least let it start with you. I hope it's before you and way after you, but at least let it begin with you. So that if somebody looks back, well, Josiah, he began to to seek after the God of his father, David. That's where it was. 
Now, there, there may have been people in between there that carried that knowledge and that wisdom on down. But it'd be okay, parents, if that was you. And we're looked up to for guidance and wisdom. We already read 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth. And there's three things I wanted to point out about that, four things that I wanted to point out about that. Don't wish your youth away. I know days feel like forever when you're young. When's this day going to be over? Especially if you're going to do something exciting the next day. This is the longest day ever. Don't wish away your youth. And two, don't discredit what the youth can do. If you look back through history, some of the great preachers that, that we know of and reference all the time, they were very young. One of my favorites was an old Scottish preacher. He died at 29. And if I could remember his name, I would tell you. That's how favorite he is. Listen, I'm telling you, you stand up here, your brain just goes blank. I can look at people I talk to every day and not have a clue who they are. But uh, he was an old Scottish preacher, and man, just was on fire. He died at age 29 in his youth. But God used him so much so that he was in the 1700s. We still talk about him today. Bet you're wondering who that is, aren't you? <laughs> Don't discredit what the youth can do. Oswald Chambers was pretty young. I love Oswald Chambers. He died in his 40s. That's pretty young. I'm, I'm in my 40s. That's young. How many in your 40s? Oh, there's more people in your 40s. Anyway. All right, let's look over Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. We're halfway through, almost. Well, halfway through my notes. I don't know whether we're halfway through the message or not. Jeremiah 1 and 1. 1, 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of... Hilkiah of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. Oh, look at that. Josiah shows back up. In the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. That the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. For I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. He says, I can't do it. I'm just a child. I'm just a youth. And, and God says, Don't say that. He says, uh, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Listen, there, there is so much, I don't even like to say the word potential, but there is so much that can be done. 
for the gospel to reach the nation through the young people? If you would just sacrifice yourself to the Lord. So don't say, I'm too young. God works through youth. Now let's, let's go to a very familiar story. Uh, 1 Samuel 17. We'll spend the rest of our time here. 1 Samuel 17. And I'm not just going to tell the story of David and Goliath. Although it is a great story. 1 Samuel 17. We know the story well and we've heard it many times. And, uh, but I want to look at it tonight as... When the boys have to do the man's job. I, I've, this thought is, has been on my mind for a long time. Uh, just when the boys have to do the man's job. So never underestimate youth. And never underestimate the call of God on the life of a young person. Too many times a young person will be discouraged because the adults say, Oh, are you sure? Are you sure that's what God wants from you? Listen, don't, don't do that. He's not calling you, He's calling them. And so you let them be sensitive to what God's calling them for. We're going to camp this week. Listen, we might come back with some preachers and missionaries and preachers' wives and those type of things. And, and I, I'm just as good as if it happens here, but if that's what happens in camp, when we get along, we get disconnected from the world and connected to God, He could do some things in some lives that He can't do here. He could, but He can't because of us. So if one of your children says, hey, I think God might be calling me to do this. Oh, you don't want to go there. You don't want to move that far away. Listen, don't quench the spirit of the call of God in your child's life. They might be the next Charles Spurgeon. They might be the next D.L. Moody. They might be the next whoever missionary that's gone to foreign lands. Hey, they might be the, per- the next person that starts the greatest revival the United States has ever seen. Don't discourage them from the call of God in their life because it's not the call on your life. It happens too much. Listen, mama's little boy's going to grow up and if he's looking for the call of God, he just might get it. And so, let him be with God. Let him do what God's calling him to do. It may not be your plan. It may not be for him to be the next CEO of this this company or whatever. Or to be a big doctor or whatever. The things that the world tells you you should be. I understand that there's some great Christians that do those things. But your child might have a different call on their life. And it might not please you. You might be troubled with it. You, God, you, you, you couldn't call little Johnny to that. No, he just might do that. Let him do it. Listen, you will enjoy it way better than if he did what you wanted him to do. So you can have a huge impact of the call of God on their life. By just allowing God to do what He needs to do. So don't underestimate the call of God on the life of a young person. And I don't know where that age should be. God can call the very young. He called Josiah. Josiah was king at eight years old. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So can he still call eight-year-olds? I'm sure he could some. 
David heard the cry of the Philistine. We're, we're, we're jumping right in. I'm not even setting the groundwork for this story. We all know this story. David heard the cry of the Philistine, and he decided he'd heard enough. Saul and his army had heard his cry for 40 days and did nothing. All they did was like, have you seen this guy? And they sat in the trench and they did nothing. And, and they, they just, uh, just as long as he don't come over here, just stay over there, don't come over here. David heard it and, and he had had enough. They had heard, they'd heard this for 40 days, did nothing. And Saul doubted the ability of David because of his youth. Here, here's this little, this little fellow that just keeps the sheep for his dad. You guys know what he did while he was keeping sheep? He fought off a bear and a lion. How many of us have done that? No, I just run. I almost stepped on a big old bull snake the other day. I almost raptured myself straight up to heaven. I mean... I don't like snakes. I don't care how big, how small, poisonous, non-poisonous, dead, alive, doesn't matter. I don't like them. And we were down in this real weeded area, and I was, we were looking for a rock. We needed a rock to, you know, do this job we had to do. So I was, so I was like, oh, here's one. And I kicked it, and there was a big, right there was this bull snake. And I won't do the full reenactment, but... I just froze, and I yelled out, snake. And it started uncoiling. Well, initially, they looked like rattlesnakes. And that's what I thought. It was. Everything's a rattlesnake when I see it. Uh, and so I just froze, and I'm just waiting to see its tail. I don't know what to do. And the guy with me says, oh, it's a bull snake. Like that mattered, you know, like it was any, you know, oh, don't worry, just pick it up and pet it. Anyhow... Don't, Saul doubted the ability of David because of his youth. They, they had heard this. He, he, says, he says here in verse uh, 33, Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But Saul didn't know the whole story of David. He tells him the story of, you know, in, in the story. He tells him, you know, hey, when I was keeping my, my father's sheep, I fought off a lion, I fought off a bear, and uh, what's this guy? But Goliath played off what was about to happen as he pointed out his youth also. He looks at, oh, you're just a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He didn't look like a warrior. He had a fair... A fair countenance. He, he didn't look like uh, this rough and tumble guy that would take anybody out. Goliath was like, man, this guy, he's, he's going to come over here. He scorned him thinking, what's this kid going to do to me? In verse 42, we see, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He's like, this guy, who do they send out here now? You see, Goliath only saw the physical attributes of David. And what he saw apparently wasn't intimidating. 
I mean, he made fun of him. Sometimes we can't see what's going on in the heart of our children, but when they are coming out to stand for a cause for God, we need to support it. Amen. See, he, could, he couldn't see David's heart. He couldn't see what was going on in his heart. Saul couldn't see what was going on in his heart. But David had come down and saw the men hunkered down in the trench, and he had heard it enough. He'd seen it enough. These men for 40 days sat there hunkered down, did nothing. When the boys have to do the man's job. If you look around, David didn't have a lot of support. How many of our young people today would, would be serving God had they had the support they needed from family, mom and dad, whoever it may be? David didn't have a lot of support. His brother was mad at him. Saul doubted him and Goliath, Goliath was laughing at him. Listen, young people, if you decide to serve God, you're going to have that very thing happen to you. You're going to have people mad at you. You're going to have people laughing at you. And you're going to have people doubting you. But who's more important in your life? Is God more important? Or are you worried about what the world thinks about you? And parents, I'm saying this so I mean, you know. This is what your kids are going to face if they decide to serve the Lord. Go with God. They're going to face these things. These very things that David had. He had no support. People laughing at him. People scorning him. You see, David's youth was being despised. But guess what he did? He became an example. He became an example. Like we are told in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, but be thou an example. So what do you do, young person, when, when everybody laughs at you? Oh, they're laughing at me. I can't. You be an example. Amen. You just take it. You just go with it. You just take it. We live in a world today where everybody has anxiety and stress and all these disorders. And listen, if you'd just have a relationship with God, that'd cure a lot of that. Amen. If you'd quit worrying about what the Amen. world thinks about you and what this person thinks about you, and you're mad at these two for being friends and this one for not including you, you'd just get rid of a lot of all that stuff. Amen. If you'd just stand with God. Amen. If you'd have a relationship with God. And put Him in the place He's supposed to be in your life. So what should we do as parents to help our children find and see the will of God? We already saw in Ephesians 2.6, we bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we have basically, uh, my wife shared this with me a couple days ago. All that we can do is basically we expose them to God. We can't force it upon them. We expose them to God for as long as we have them and then prepare them to go out as best we can for what we know. That's all we can do. And I'll be honest with you, that takes a lot of weight off of my shoulders. I want to do the absolute best that I can for my children, be the example before them, expose them to God, reveal to them who He is, and then they have to go out and depend upon God themselves. All we can do is what we know. So how much do you know as a parent? How much do you know? How much can you prepare your child to go out? I remember uh, while I was getting ready to deploy to Africa, I was sitting in Georgia uh, down at Dobbins Air Force Base, Air Reserve Base, in a room locked up for 14 days like a prisoner. And uh, that's enough to make you never want to go to jail. Quarantine. Uh, so I'm sitting there and... and 
And I don't even know if I've told preacher this or not, but you're about to find out. <laughs> Tiffany sent me a picture of Kaylee in there packing her clothes, getting ready to go to college. And I don't think she knew the picture was taken, but man, it hit me. I looked at that picture, and here's our first child getting ready to leave the home for the first time to go to college for a year. And it just hit me. Have I done enough? Have I? Yes, she's going to Bible college, but hey, Bible college is just bad as university when it comes to students. Don't fool yourself into thinking that, oh, Bible college has all the answers. It doesn't. Kids are kids, no matter which college they're at. But I looked at that picture, and I just started bawling. I sat there in that room all by myself thinking, God, did I do enough? Here I am locked up in a room. I, I, can't, I can't do anything now. I can't even leave my room without permission. I'm 43 years old. <laughs> and I can't even leave the room. And I look, I, preacher, you called when I was looking at that picture. <laughs> I was sitting there on the bed and just weeping. Because I, I felt like I had come up so short at preparing my daughter to leave and essentially go off for the first time ever on her own. And I sat there just thinking, there is so much more I should have done. There's so much more time I should have spent doing this or that or whatever it may be. And the phone rang and it was preacher. <laughs> I don't know if you even... If you even knew what was going on when you called, but it was much needed. So what are we doing to, with what we know to send them out? Now, listen, Jesse sent David, and I know I'm going long, but I have two pages left. Jesse sent David out equipped for what he knew. Jesse didn't know, from what I read, Jesse didn't know about the Philistine down there shouting for 40 days. I don't, if there's something there, I've missed it. But I haven't seen it that Jesse knew that there was a Philistine down there crying out. Hey, if you beat me, we'll be your servants. If you beat us, we'll be, you know. If I beat you, what, you know how the story is. Jesse didn't know that's what David was going to go down there and get into. Jesse sent him with food to feed his brothers. And he sent him with food to feed the, to feed the officers and the leaders of the army. That's what Jesse did to prepare David. That's all he did. He sent him with, hey, take this food to your brothers. And that's when David got down there, found the men in the trench, the Philistine out there crying out, mocking God, mocking his army, mocking his children. And David said, that's enough. But he didn't have any support. As I mentioned, his brothers was, was mad at him. Saul doubted him. Goliath was laughing at him. He had no support. But his dad sent him to the best of his ability, prepared for what he knew that he was doing. So what do you do as a parent? You send them out, prepared to the best of your ability for what you know Amen. they are doing. Amen. Yes, sir. Don't be shocked when God calls them into more. Because if they're in His will, He will. Amen. When God calls them to do more than you saw or you knew, don't be shocked. 
You sent them prepared for what you knew. God takes care of the rest of it. And so there he goes with his food. He sent what was some cheese and, and all this sort of stuff. David saw a much greater need when he got there. He arrived and literally got in the trenches. The Bible says he got in the trenches with them. That's the same for us. We can stand outside the trench and question everything that's going on inside the trench. We can stand out and criticize. David could have stood there and said, hey, why don't you guys get up and go fight this guy? No, he just went and did it. But it's easy to stand outside the trench of those that are doing the work and criticize, well, why don't you could do that better. Boy, you could do that a whole lot better. We can question this or that, but, but if you'll get in the trench, you'll see the need. So David got in the trench and he sees from where the men are fighting, he sees the need. He sees this, this giant of a man over here that's got everybody scared to death that they won't even get out of the trench. And David says, I think there's something I need to do. And so God called him past what he went down prepared for. Because God had all that under control. There's so much more to say, and I have a lot on my heart, and I, I really need to start wrapping it up. So what am I trying to say? <laughs> Next week, we're going to be leaving for camp. And I've tried my best. But not just me, it's been my wife also. I have tried my absolute best to have your kids in a spiritual place for the time that I'm allotted to be with them. That we'll be ready to go and God would have free reign in hearts and lives while we're there. But this is only a short week and it's an intense week for some. Some will answer the call of God on their life while we're there. Some will simply go and return unchanged to our eyes. And that's a shame when that happens. And some will return as a new creature in Christ. And because I firmly believe that there are some in our youth group that still need Christ. Some may come back and you'll be totally shocked at the change in their attitude or a commitment that they have made. That's where they need your support. Don't just write it off as, ah, that's just camp hype. There, There is camp hype. But listen, when somebody commits their life to God, that's not camp hype. So I ask you to get in the trench with them. Help and support them. To be their best for the Savior. Let's join together in praying for these young people. For the world they're going to face and deal with. Our theme this year is the church is striving together. And it applies very much here. I'm praying that God would use these people in a mighty way that we would never have even thought of. And we just need, there, need to be there to back them up. So never... 
underestimate youth. Don't despise it. Don't discredit the call of God upon their life. And be there to support them. Back them up. If God places a call on their life, you be there to support them. Let's pray. Would you stand, please? God, thank you so much for your goodness. And Lord, I pray that we would be the support for our young people that we need to be. And I pray that uh, they are seeing you in our lives like they should. I pray that you'd help us to prepare to send them out into the world to the best of our ability. And Lord, that you'll just take the rest. May we trust you for that. And Lord, I, I don't know how you may have spoke to hearts tonight, but if any need to come and meet with you, I pray that they would do just that. Lord, just have your will and way in the service and the remainder that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.